Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Music Therapist. I'm so excited to have a special guest today. So with me on the podcast today is Kaylee Wark, speech-language pathologist. And the last time Kaylee and I were in the same room, we were (laughs) back at undergrad at at Nazareth College years and years ago. Um, So this is kind of like a little reunion for us and also like a let's play catch up. Let's play catch up and see, um, you know, where life has taken us and what life is like now. (laughs) I could see them too. They're so cute back there. Thank you. We're on the top floor of our building. Um, And anytime there's, you know, a delivery, another dog's going potty, any sort of coming and going, these two know about it and it's. You know, their business. (laughs) They're so cute, too. Just walking back and forth. (laughs) They love us being home more this year. That's so great. Yeah. (laughs) So, Kaylee, can you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you do? Oh, yeah. It's so nice to be able to chat with you, Kim. I know it's been such a long time. Um, But my name is Kaylee Wark. Um, It's my... Um, married name. I got uh, married a couple of years ago, um, but I grew up in, yeah, <laughs> um, grew up in the Buffalo, New York area. Um, was always really passionate about music, loved to perform, loved to play in ensembles. Um, and then where life has taken me gradually over the past <laughs> many years is um, to Chicago, where I'm now practicing as a, a pediatric, pediatric speech language pathologist. Um, I specialize in working with babies and toddlers with complex feeding needs and speech and language um, challenges. And then I'm also a certified lactation counselor. So that's been what I've been up to. <laughs> oh, so cool. So cool. And before we got on um, to the recording, we were talking about just like living in different areas of, of the U.S. and how um, you've been in Chicago for a long time time now like several years and um it's something that you you didn't know you were going to end up there absolutely not no (laughs) seems like you're loving it (laughs) yeah I think our journey to Chicago was very unexpected um what landed me here originally was uh, my fellowship after undergrad so Mm. you know for music therapy after we we do our four years and we go and complete a placement um externally and at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I loved the field of music therapy. I loved going to conferences, and I loved all of the coursework, and um, I loved the profession in general, but I hadn't figured out in undergrad what I wanted to do. Um, so I took a placement at a private practice out here in Chicago that offered a really diverse clinical experience um, working in schools, um, working in an outpatient setting with kids and adults, um, going into um, facilities, working with adults with disabilities, and um, also going into um, a rehabilitation hospital and working alongside speech pathologists and um, occupational therapists, physical therapists. Um, so that's that's what led me here is to try to figure out, okay, what do I want to do yeah. <laughs> um, with music therapy? and. Even kind of working through that clinical experience, I didn't quite find it um, mm. when I came and to the so end. <laughs> that was your internship then, yes, right? Yes, my after internship. The first yes. four years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. 
So that was my internship. And um, I finished up here in Chicago and I still didn't really know what I wanted to do as a music therapist. So mm-hmm. I took so a job. So it's like you didn't, you didn't feel like totally settled yet. No. Like um, you had your experiences and you're like, okay, this, this isn't, this isn't quite it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought it was going to be it um, mm. just based on what I knew at that time about the field of music therapy and things that I found mm-hmm. interesting as a student. Umira at Nazareth. Um, yeah. I thought it was going to be the perfect fit, and it it didn't feel right. Um, mm-hmm. That was frustrating. Um, so then I, I took my first job, also in a private practice, thinking, okay, I want the full gamut. Throw everything at me. You know, I was working yeah. um, in skilled nursing facilities. I was doing after school programming um, for kiddos in foster care. I was um, working with babies and toddlers um, in their homes. I had some contracts mm. at like a speech therapy clinic. <laughs> oddly enough, really? running groups. And, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and while I was there, I just kept thinking, what is it I want to do? And I was sure you know do I want to go back and get my master's in music therapy is there another Mm -hmm. route I want to go and I was looking at so many different things I was looking at um, speech pathology I was looking at um, occupational therapy child psychology um Mm. I guess most I knew I wanted peds (laughs) I guess that's the one thing I think the things that I knew were that I love pediatrics. I love mm-hmm. I love being a therapist and building that relationship and those yeah. aspects of the job were so me. But the things that did not come natural to me <laughs> and the things that I did not love um, unfortunately was was using music as my primary clinical tool. It just did not come natural wow. to me. Um, and I thought it was going to be such a natural merging of things for yeah. me because I loved music, but um, I think for me, the things that I loved about music and the things that I loved about being a therapist just didn't go together. Um, huh. And that <laughs> I love, I, yeah, please. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm like cutting you off, but I, I'm just curious, like, oh, there's so much more to hear about your story. But I'm wondering, like, did you ever have any of those inklings, like, in school or during your internship, like, before this moment? Absolutely. Yeah. I think the things that I was really great at as a a music student were, you know, performance. I loved, um, I loved um, playing in ensembles. I loved preparing recitals. You know, I always wanted those long, full recitals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I loved competing (laughs) for the concerto competitions. I loved collaborating with other musicians. I loved music theory and music history. And And your primary instrument. Saxophone. Okay. (laughs) Saxophone. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Say that first. <laughs> and then when it came to the more like music therapy specific classes, like mm-hmm. songwriting, functional piano and guitar skills, mm-hmm. improvisation, um, sight singing, like those were the things mm-hmm. that I sucked at. <laughs> and it was oh. just did not come natural. And I kept hoping that, okay, you know, this has to be it because I love music and I and I right. love the idea of being a, a a therapist. Like this should just be should be yeah. coming together for me. Like this should be huh. it. Um, mm-hmm. And it just wasn't. <laughs> and it was so frustrating. Yeah. Um, and I think um, kind of when I knew I, I knew that for real was after I had you know given it some time, right? And I had a beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful internship with amazing music therapists who. Um, I really looked up to and I tried my my best to do what they did. Yeah. And I just kept thinking like, 
I love being with these patients. I love, you know, the setting that I'm working at, but what I'm doing doesn't feel right. Um, Hmm. And that was such a surprise. Um, Wow. But what I found is um, when when I was collaborating with, with other therapists, especially when I was, you know, living in Connecticut and working, you know, in the speech therapy clinic was that a lot of the skills that I had gained as a music therapist were really applicable (laughs) to to other fields. And for me, um, I wanted to pick out, you know, one thing that I I really love to do and then dive into that deeper. So I think Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time trying lots of different things and keeping, Mm -hmm. you know, the breadth of my practice pretty broad. Um, but what I was really searching for was something that I loved that I could be really good at <laughs> and dig yeah. into. Um, and for me, um, it's what I'm doing now. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And I bet that took like so much, um, like not only the literal searching and trying different things, but also that like soul searching. Like, yeah. okay, what is it that I come alive with? What is it that feels most like me? And what are those things that I'm like trying to force myself to do, but it's not really jiving with me? Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, something that was surprising to me was that when I came to that place of transition, I said, okay, I'm going to grad school for speech. Like, I'm going to tell everybody. It's going to be such a surprise. Like, I have always been so dedicated to this field of music therapy and, you know, I'll probably keep my MTBC, but I want to do this too. Nobody yeah. was surprised. Oh, <laughs> when really? I, when I, no, when I talked to wow. my coworkers um, at the practice that I was working at, when I talked to my family and when I talked to my now husband, everyone said, yeah, that makes sense. Like when we, when you talk about yeah. the things that you love about your job, it's, you know, working with kiddos, um, with language delay, or it's, you know, the, the patients who you're getting to collaborate with the speech pathologists and you don't mm-hmm. really like playing the guitar and right. you don't really <laughs> like, you know, doing all of these, these parts of your, your job that are very music therapy specific, but the therapy right. part, like we know you love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, nobody was surprised mm-hmm. <laughs> except for me. <laughs> wow. And I wonder if like along the way through the process of internship and like that first music therapy job, you would like share things with um, Jake and with your family and friends and they would be like, oh yeah, okay. There's something about this that she doesn't like. Like you were sharing it and maybe yeah. it just wasn't like I wasn't ready to recognize it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just remember even like there's a moment I can kind of think back to in time where I was sitting in um, the cafeteria at the hospital I was interning at and it was such a unique experience being able to have, you know, the internship that I did Mm -hmm. and, you know, looking at, you know, what my, my mentors were doing and just thinking like, wow, what they do is so cool. I don't think it's something that I could ever do well. And that was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. do I want to put in, you know, all of, you know, the work to get to that place and realizing, you know, I don't think it's for me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. I'm loving this conversation because, okay, selfishly, I'm <laughs> having these conversations too for myself because. I, I feel inside of me like I want more education. Yeah. And I really just don't know where. And the logical next step is music therapy masters. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm not 100% set on it. So I'm like, you know, gathering all of these different um, stories and experiences and, you know, people to give light on what the process was like for you. And maybe if I've had some of those similar experiences in my process or right now. Um, So thank you for sharing all of this with us. And I know that this is going to help someone who listens. It's It's so messy, Kim, (laughs) to try to figure out what you want to do. And I think, I think part of the learning too is being okay with it being something that's changing and evolving. And I think, you know, even, even in our twenties, if we're thinking about like what our job could be, once you're a part of that field, I think the doors open up so, so much wider and there's Mm. so much more available, I think within every field than, than Mm -hmm. it appears on the surface. Um, Totally. And I learned that even when I, you know, went to grad school um, for, for speech. And um, at that time, I thought I wanted to do peds. I, I had the experiences as a, you know, music therapist of knowing that I loved working with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of the plan. But, you know, even, you know, within the field of speech pathology, there's so many different opportunities and people mm-hmm. that I went to go, went to grad school with are doing vastly different things <laughs> in their, mm-hmm. their everyday, um, life than I am doing in my own practice. Um, wow. and I didn't know about all those options, even when I decided, okay, I'm going to get my master's in speech. I'm going to be a speech language pathologist. I, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to be working with infants and, and yeah. toddlers with feeding disorders and like be doing a lot of feeding therapy. I didn't think I was going to be a lactation counselor. Those were things that were not going through my mind, even, you know, when I started that part of my journey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so looking back at that, that time when it finally <laughs> dawned on you, you're like, okay, I'm going to take a turn and we're going to go in a different direction, even though it's not completely totally different. You know, yeah. you're still a therapist and, um, you're using so many of the things that, that you gained as a music therapist to now do speech. Um, like how, how was it for you? Um, like turning away from music therapy or like setting it aside. Like, what was that like for you? I know you said that everyone around <laughs> you wasn't surprised, but you were surprised. Yeah, it felt really good. Um, Yeah, so that that transition was actually easy, and I think it was a good sign that I was on the right path. What was actually harder for me and is still something that I'm grappling with is not um, being as active as a musician as I used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is kind of what solidified it for me in that, okay, what really drew me to the field of music therapy was that I love being a musician and I love studying music and I, I loved all of those parts of the, of the, the program right at NAS and that yeah, because yeah. We, I got to be so active as a, a performer um, and, and play in so many great ensembles with so many amazing musicians. Um, so moving away from that <laughs> um, yeah. in the last few years has been the, the harder piece for me. And I think mm-hmm. that was something that um, helped me to realize, okay, this is what really got, got me here. And I tried to put it all together into one neat mm-hmm. package, but I really like more of the pieces separate and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So it must've, it must've been hard then not having music as part of your everyday, or maybe it wasn't. 
It was hard. Um, yeah. And because even when I lived in, you know, I was doing my internship, I was continuing to take lessons and study with a, a saxophonist here in Chicago. Oh. And when I moved to Connecticut, I was playing with an ensemble at the Hart School um, oh, and cool. was still active in that way. And then when I went to, to grad school in Milwaukee, um, I looked into being involved in the ensembles at Marquette and maybe playing mm-hmm. in the pep band and I, I, I looked at what I was doing and I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm working <laughs> in retail. I'm in, you know, a very um, rigorous graduate program. Um, yeah. I love to practice yoga. I need that mm-hmm. time. Um, and I wanted to have time to spend with my, my friends and to spend with Jake. He was in, uh, my, my husband, he was in Chicago when I was in Milwaukee. And, you know, we had, oh, you know, wow. a long distance um, thing going on at that time too. So mm-hmm. I had to prioritize. I said, you know what? Like music has always been a part of my life. When I'm ready, I can go back to it. Um, So it's been Mm kind of set aside for the past few years. Um, Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, um, I I started taking lessons again um, privately at a a university here in Chicago. And I went in and I was so excited and I only did one lesson. I I met Jake afterwards (laughs) and he's like, and we met afterwards and he said, oh my gosh, how was it? And I said, you know Mm -hmm. what? I think... When I get done with work, I want to do yoga and I want to hang out with you and I want to walk the dogs and I don't want to practice the saxophone. <laughs> it was just this moment. I said, maybe later, maybe down the road, it's something yeah. I'll go back to, but it's just not, mm-hmm. it's just not what I need to be doing with my, my time right now. And I think yeah. that's okay, but it was, mm-hmm. it was gut wrenching. So I just thought like, oh, I've spent so much time. I've invested so much of myself, my entire life to being a musician mm-hmm. and is it okay? Like, will I remember what to do if I set it aside for two years? What about 10 years? Like, is that okay? Yeah. And then I realized, you know what, if it's something I, I, I don't want right now, it's just something I don't want right now. And that's yeah. fine. Um, but it was hard. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that being so, so tricky to like sit with, um, and even just acknowledge like, okay, I'm a different person now. Things yeah. have changed. Playing my instrument is not quite as fulfilling as it once was because now, like, it sounds like you've filled your life with so many other very fulfilling things and you are loving your work and loving where you live and things like that. So, um, that yeah, that can be really hard to just acknowledge that things are different now. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) I think it's one of those things too, looking back, you know, when I was, you know, a student at NAS or, you know, even growing up, I always felt bad when I met adults who had been a really good musician and then did something else or didn't keep it up. And, you know, oh, I used to be able to play all of these pieces and now I can't. I just always thought, oh, that's so sad. Like, I'm so, I'm so devastated for you. Um, But now I kind of get it. You know, we change and we have all of these other new opportunities and the things that I love now and that I really mm-hmm. want to spend my time now, you know, both, you know, with my job and outside of my job are different. And I think that's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I feel like as, as students, we have such a limited perspective on just life, <laughs> just life. It's like, we think we know what life is going to be like, but we have no idea yet. No clue. <laughs> I remember, I remember that specifically when we were at school together, um, it was like probably 
freshman or sophomore year when we were learning uh, drum set. <laughs> and I, it's so silly. I remember one of the seniors, senior music therapy majors, say, "Oh, you really, you really gotta keep up with drum set because here I am. I'm a senior and I can't play drum set anymore. So I really hope." You stick with it and keep those skills. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be that music therapist that can play drum sets still. And, of course, I can't play drum set now. Like, <laughs> it was definitely wishful thinking yes. of, of my younger self to think that I would and would want to invest so much time into keeping up with every single instrument that I learned um, while at college. It's too much. It's, it's <laughs> too so much. much. And I think there are people who love that. And um, this, yeah. this may be true of your, your husband as well, but um, my husband is a music teacher and he's a very mm. active performer and he loves it. When we have time on a Saturday, he can't wait to, to practice and he always wants to learn how to play new instruments and he loves to write mm. music. And I think it's really eye-opening, you know, being in a relationship with mm-hmm. someone who has that that love and realizing, oh, like my my interest is not like that. <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, in that time I like to read, I like to go on a walk with the dogs, I like to practice yoga, I like to take a bubble bath, um mm-hmm. I like to rearrange things on shelves. Like those are the yes. things I like to do in my free time. <laughs> and I I just have no I have no um interest in those things right now. Again, that could be totally different <laughs> two years yeah, from now. Yeah, it could change. Sure. It was hard to realize, but I think when I really listened to what I wanted, um, I realized that it was different. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's really interesting when we think about like other people's experiences of being part of the music therapy field and what draws them in and what keeps them there or what is the turning point for them going a different direction. Um, So that's like another huge tell that in your free time, you don't really want to turn to music. Um, And, you know, even like I'm thinking about my own self now, but (laughs) I'm like, okay, you know, can I be a music therapist um, without that strong pull to music in, in that way or in those times? I think you can. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And just thinking about, you know, what I do now, you know, I, I love my job. It's so fulfilling. Um, it, it comes natural to me. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, the, families that I'm working with and the the kiddos that I'm working with are so worthy of my time. And I think that, um, there's so much to learn. (laughs) Um, and it's exciting, right? I think that there's a nice balance for me and, um, you know, what is interesting to me, what comes natural to me. And then, you know, also having this element of challenge and, um, Mm -hmm. so it's, I think professionally very rewarding, but, you know, it's not necessarily what I wanted to, to, be thinking about or doing in my free time either. And I think that's okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting thinking about music therapy because <clears throat> that music piece, um, I feel like it is something that you have to devote some time to outside of, you know, the work day. And that's really hard to accept and live with at least for me, 
if not for, you know, other, other music therapists out there who, um, would rather not turn to music outside of the day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm, I'm thinking about it yeah. now. It's so interesting. Yeah. And You're right. It is so... different though. <laughs> yeah. It's like the core of your skill set is something that really needs to be continuously honed and developed. And I think that having a, a good relationship with music is so essential <laughs> um, right. as a music therapist so that you're not getting burnt out or feeling like, okay, this thing that I used to love is now just, you know, a tool, you know, it needs to be something mm-hmm. that um, is still get, giving you something back <laughs> and something right. that you have, you know, relationship with in your own mm-hmm. right. And I think that's different than some of the other um, therapy disciplines in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we don't have, you know, this, this very specialized, um, toolbox. Um, I mean, we do, you know, we, we're, we have this specialized area of practice and, you know, we're looking at specific things. Um, but it's not through mm-hmm. like, you know, one medium or one art form. And I think that that's, that, you know, that can be so rewarding, but also challenging. <laughs> right. Right. To figure out that balance and <clears throat> find what you're, soul needs to keep going in in whatever that profession is um hmm. I'm wondering what to ask you next this has been so fun um so you know what let's let's shift gears I want to know um what your work now looks like like a typical day or like the specific things that you do that you just find so um exciting and fulfilling? So I work at a pediatric therapy practice um, in Chicago. Uh, we work primarily with, with kiddos from, from zero months to 36 months um, through the early intervention program um, in Illinois. Um, but service delivery is all in-home. Um, so we don't have um, a clinic that families come mm-hmm. to. It's you know going, going to their homes and being in their natural environment. Um, you know, with COVID, sometimes we meet, you know, at the park or playground or go on a walk near their house, um, depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what we're working on in therapy. Um, but I love, I love that in-home component. Yeah. Um, that but, makes it so special. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, so much of the, you know, the research and the, the evidence supports, you know, providing therapy in natural environments for, mm-hmm. for little ones and really involving parents in the, so cool. in yeah. the therapy so that we're, we're teaching them how to embed these strategies into their daily routines or how to facilitate it themselves. My goal mm-hmm. is for them to not need me. <laughs> so my, yeah. my, my goal is, you know, to come in and help parents identify, you know, what, what they would like to be working on, you know, what's going really well. Um, and then how can we, you know, use these strengths that each individual family has and each child has to help them, you know, meet their full potential, whether it's, um, being able to understand directions well to participate in routines and better participate in school or, um, Mm -hmm. to be able to, um, build their vocabulary and build their utterance like so that they can communicate with others and um, have these, you know, conversations with um, their friends and their parents. And then as a feeding therapist, um, I I work a lot in helping kiddos to be able to to chew more effectively, uh, more efficiently, Mm -hmm. to be able to feed themselves, um, drink from a variety of cups. Um, with little, little babies, um, I'm sometimes supporting bottle feeding skills and just that relationship of having these relaxing, mm. positive, pleasurable meal times um, and, and bottle feeds. Um, 
now that I'm a certified lactation counselor, I also support um, moms who are breastfeeding um, and, and making sure that their babies are latching well and um, able to mm. participate and feed safely. Um, but my job's, you know, it's really collaborative and that, you know, at the company I work for, we have speech language pathologists, we have occupational therapists, physical therapists, um, a developmental therapist. Um, but then I also find myself working a lot with, with other providers, like nutritionists um, for my kiddos mm-hmm. who are in feeding therapy, making sure that, you know, they're growing well and um, able to, you know, access all of the nutrition that they need while we're working on, you know, building their skills or um, mm-hmm. transitioning them off of like tube feedings. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, collaborating with GI teams or um, speech language pathologists who are in the hospitals and are able to conduct the swallow studies or, yeah. So it's, I I love how collaborative my job is now. And I love how specialized and that I'm working with, you know, Mm -hmm. these, these little babies or, you know, these toddlers and it's, you know, speech language feeding. So so for me, really um, zoning into an area of, of specialty, you know, within my field has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. I love <laughs> hearing you. like the specifics because, you know, when I when I think of speech language pathology, I'm just like, okay, you help people speak, but there's so much more. There's so much. <laughs> yeah, it's more than how to say s, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I um, as I mentioned before, you know, I have so many friends that I went to grad school who are doing so many different things. You know, some of them specialize in working more with school age kids, or they work in skilled nursing, or I have a friend who works a lot with um, patients who have had um, head, neck, and throat cancer. Um, So it's so varied. But for me, Mm -hmm. I I just, I think that, you know, especially that that range of zero months to to one or two is so magical. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're really learning how to interact with mom and dad and family and um, make their first sounds and babble and, you know, understand Mm -hmm. what words mean in their environment and get to those, you know, first words. (laughs) And it's, yeah, there's a lot packed in, I think, into those early years that um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't think about. Like when um, I I tell people that I work, you know, with, with babies and, and toddlers as a speech therapist. They're like, what do you do with a baby? Like they don't talk. (laughs) It's like, well, they're working on it. (laughs) They're, they're getting there. Um, cause I do work with a lot of babies, you know, who are zero to six months and there's so much happening in those early months and Mm. it's exciting. Um, and a lot of that is, yeah. And a lot of that is teaching parents, you know, ways to interact, ways to play. Um, I do use some, some singing and songs, um, in sessions. So there is, you know, that component that's translated or mm-hmm. you know helping them you know move towards like having their first bites of solid food it's just there's a lot of firsts and it's so fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's cool to hear like just that one piece that you added about music that you're still using it as um, a speech pathologist in the work that you do for the goals that you have and I wonder if you know having had the background as a music therapist it's a little easier for you to like use that as a tool because you're yeah. like oh okay yeah I did I, I sang for my job in my past life <laughs> <Yes>. so <laughs> yes and I so, can do that now yeah and it's, it's it feels more natural <clears throat> to me so when I when I was you know oh, the cool. music therapist and I felt like there yeah. was this expectation for my music to be at this high level um mm. and and for me again like I felt like I was a, 
my, my area of, of specialty as musician was, you know, being a pianist, being a saxophonist, but all of those like functional, yeah. um, music skills as a therapist were not my jam. <laughs> and it was mm-hmm. not very, very good for me. But as the speech pathologist who is, you know, able to sing functionally with kiddos and, you know, provide, you know, really um, appropriate musical cueing to elicit responses. And, um, you know, I know how to, um, you know, make music in the moment with little ones and modify Mm -hmm. it so that it's appropriate for them, you know, and matches where they're at and is... Um, able to respond to them in the moment, I think is a really, yeah. um, a really good asset. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, it is something that people notice. I think when they're, they're working with me as a speech therapist, yeah. like, Oh yeah, like you use music. And I, I don't necessarily think about it so much, but I think that the mm-hmm. way I use music is certainly different, you know, than other speech sure. therapists who do not have a, a background in music therapy, um, or, uh-huh. you know, aren't formally trained musicians. Um, right. So it's nice that I still have that piece, but that I'm doing all of these other things too as a therapist that for me um, come come more naturally and um, yeah, seem to be going well. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And that that's that's cool to hear that. Like I know sometimes with um, <clears throat> with professions other than music therapy, um, because of how strong music therapists advocate for music therapy of I feel I feel like other professions might be like oh we don't want to step on the toes of music therapists and use music but I think every profession if you know it's appropriate should use music because it's such a beautiful medium that can make connection and you don't have to be doing music therapy like you are clearly still doing speech language pathology yes but the music makes it that much richer yeah and music you know it's a it's a natural part of language development for kiddos too Mm -hmm. you know even if you look at you know standard assessments for for language for for little ones you know under Uh three years of age we're looking like at do they attend to music you know are they are they listening are they noticing are they trying to dance along a little bit do they try to hum along a little bit those things are just so it's natural they're natural parts of development and Mm -hmm. of course you know a, a a a music therapist, an MTBC can take Mm -hmm. that and run with it in ways that, you know, people who are not music therapists can't do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, if you're working with, with children, um, most, if not all kids love music and it's, you know, a part of their day. (laughs) It's something that most parents I I work with report that their kids love and, you know, you got to use it. But the, I think that the ways yeah. that, you know, a music therapist, you know, can use it are, you know, highly specialized and sure. um, special. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but certainly it's something that, it, you know, is, is present in other parts of their day or therapies yeah, too. Yeah, totally. Um, so I wanted to ask you, um, <clears throat> I know before we started the recording, you mentioned how like during the transition, when you were figuring out, okay, you know, what's next? I don't think it's music therapy. Um, you talked with other people who um, either were speech language pathologists or music therapists that were also speech language pathologists. Yeah. Is that right? So tell me a little bit about that. Um, I'm just thinking of the people listening to this, this episode wanting or curious about um, be, becoming an SLP. Yeah. Like, I wonder what you would tell them. 
or how it was for you. Uh, me too. I'm trying to think back to it. And again, you know, it's kind of messy. Um, when, yeah. you're, when you're thinking about making a transition like that. Um, so for me, I just try to gather as much information as I could, both about, you know, what um, the requirements were um, to get into the mm-hmm. graduate programs, you know, what types of jobs would it lead to for me? Um, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I went into it with much, as much information as I could so that there were only good surprises <laughs> waiting for yeah. me when I got, you know, into grad school and into the the field um, as a professional. Um so I, I did a lot of um, researching and just looking at, you know, what types of courses are taught and um, mm-hmm. what do I already know that's a prerequisite? You know, all of our psychology classes and anatomy yeah. and physiology that we that we take as a part of the curriculum as an undergraduate music ther- therapy student mm-hmm. um, are, are things that um, students in the communication sciences, yeah, they're taking too. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, so I said, okay, like there's this, you know, shared set of study that we have and I know mm-hmm. I liked all of those things. So yeah. that's great. <laughs> that's great. Like I, that's awesome. I, I exceeded my psych minor by so many classes because I loved it so much. <laughs> so I said, okay, this is a good sign. I loved stats. That's great. <laughs> I loved stats. There's more stats in grad school. <laughs> so okay. speech therapist. This is great. Yeah. Um, and then I tried to talk to some people and just get collect some anecdotal information about what was it like mm-hmm. for you? And for me, there was um, a woman who I spoke with who was at NAS, actually, um, as a um, speech therapy grad student when I was completing my undergraduate degree in music therapy. Mm-hmm. And we had a co-treat um, in the aphasia oh, clinic at NAS. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time thinking, oh, what a bummer. You know, she left the field and she's a speech therapist. Um but she was so happy. And for her, it was a good yeah. transition too. And we emailed a little bit and she, mm-hmm. she shared that for her, it was such a good fit. You know, she loved the field of music therapy, but for her being a speech pathologist felt right. It felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, she loved the diversity of the field and shared, you know, what she was doing. I think she was working um, at, a, at a school um, mm-hmm. as a speech path. Um, so it was nice to see, okay, this person went through it and they're happy. <laughs> like it's a success yeah. story. Um, yeah. But then I also had the benefit of working with a little girl um, as a music therapist when I was in Connecticut, and her mom was a speech path. <laughs> and oh. she and I were just talking um, after a session, and she said, "Man, she said, what are you gonna do like after after this? Like, are you are you thinking about?" going back to school. And I said, actually, I've been thinking about a lot of these things. She said, man, yeah. you'd be such a good speech therapist. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and oh, that was, cool. and that was really great to hear. So she and I, you know, while I was working with her daughters, we would wrap up our, our appointments each week, would, would chat a little bit. And when I told her, she was just so thrilled and supportive. Oh, um, so she so was, cool. yeah, I don't know that she knows it cause I haven't seen her in years, but she was mm-hmm. an important part of that transition. And, yeah. um, I also, um, as I mentioned before, was um, running some music therapy groups out of a speech clinic um, when I was working oh. as a music therapist. So I talked to some of those speech paths and asked, like, what are your caseloads like? Like, what do you love about your job? And yeah. um, I think, you know, once I had all that information about, you know, from, from people and, and regarding, you know, what the program would be like and what some mm-hmm. of the outcomes might be um, professionally, I felt really good mm-hmm. about the decision and um, made that jump. And that all happened so quickly. I decided at like the end of the summer, <laughs> I'm going oh to grad goodness. school, had to take the GRE. Um, I enrolled um, at Utah State <laughs> online to take some wow. prereqs, like um, um, typical child language development and phonology and, you know, things that weren't a part of um, 
my my undergraduate curriculum mm-hmm. as a music therapist and thank goodness when I got into some of those I said okay I love this this is interesting yeah. um and then I found out um in April that I'd gotten into um most of the schools mm-hmm. I had applied to and then mm-hmm. kind of then you chose and... yeah and that's all history <laughs> oh so cool wow yeah and it sounds like you are so happy with that decision that you made all I, those years ago now. <laughs> yeah, I am. And it's just so funny because I think looking back, it, it, it seems a little bit more linear than it felt. <laughs> and that when I look mm. back, I'm like, oh, it was so messy. There were so many like heart gut-wrenching decisions. And yeah. luckily, you know, with, you know, I think spending a lot of time thinking through each point, um, I've landed in a place that works for me and that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, mm-hmm. I, I really do love, love my job. And I think, you know, that, um, there's so many more opportunities in the future. You know, what I'm mm-hmm. doing today might not be what I'm doing in a couple of years and I'm open yeah. to the possibilities, but I think that I'm in a place that, that works well for me and all of the, you know, next kind of natural steps, um, mm-hmm. would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. Oh, so cool. Oh, Wow. <laughs> We've had a lovely conversation, and I'm just so grateful that you spent some time sharing with us um, your story and what it was like and what it felt like and what it's like now. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we close out this episode? Such a good question. I think, you know, there's other people listening who are trying to find their just right fit, you know, just... Keep in mind that it takes time, um, but I think the more open-minded you can be about, you know, what might work well for you and the more um, information you can gather about yourself and in terms of, you know, what things feel good, what things are you really interested in, and then, um, you know, that can inform a really good decision and at least, you know, get you down, you know, at the starting point of, you um, mm-hmm you know, ending up on a path that leads to a career that makes a little bit more sense or that's really yeah. fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, thank time. You. <laughs> hmm? Just takes time. <laughs> it takes time. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot of time. But it, I think like when we look back on it or, you know, I'm thinking about your story, the time that it took to make that decision and then um, step in that direction probably now seems so short in comparison to the whole story. Absolutely. Yeah. It it was a a pivoting point, but you know, the time that I took that, um, to figure things out was really worthwhile. Um, Mm. and I'm glad I did it. Mm -hmm. So cool. Um, so, um, if people want to get in touch with you, if you're open to it, you know, if, if they are interested in speech language pathology and they are music therapists, but like maybe thinking about making that pivot, um, where can people connect with you? Yeah. Oh, they'd be welcome to send me an email. Awesome. (laughs) That would work well. Yeah. Um, do you need me to give you my email address? <laughs> or you think you have it? <laughs> it's like, do I need to How like about, spell it out? My name is yeah, like, no, spelling of my name such a mess. <laughs> How about if you want to get in touch with Kaylee and um, talk with her about yeah. where you are in your process and maybe you're interested in speech language pathology, um, send me a message 
and I'll get you in touch. <laughs> that sounds great. Thank you. That's probably the easiest way. <laughs> that sounds great. No, I'm always happy to chat. And um, if I can answer any helpful questions um, about about the field, I'd be happy to. Also, mm. if you're interested in learning more about the profession, ASHA is a great resource. That's the oh, yeah. American Speech Language Hearing Association. They have some really um, wonderful information about, you know, what's um, speech language pathologists do and, um, you know, the types of, of patients that, that we support. Um, so that might be a nice place to, to visit as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much, Kaylee. This has been lovely. It's been so nice to chat with you. Thank you for inviting me, Kim. <laughs> yes, of course. All right. And I'll see you again on another episode.